does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, reminder, Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. Always love when the Pacers head coach stops by every single Tuesday. Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL Network, going to join us as well. He'll be coming your way at 9 o'clock. Now, we do have, KB, if I'm not mistaken, we have a family four-pack to Butler St. John's. Yeah, should we do that now? Tomorrow, you want to do it now or you want to do it next hour? I'm good with whatever you want to do. Let's reward those in the car at 7.36 in the morning. Butler St. John's tomorrow night. Butler's got a player on their team that played for the Johnnies last season. Give us that name. Oh, come on. That's easy. 317-239-1070. I believe it's an 8.30 tip tomorrow night. Over there, with the Louisville Posse being full force. Uh, the Louisville for Posse, uh, from what I've heard, is going to be in full force for one Rick Pitino, uh, the captain of all BS. Rick Pitino will be in town. Now you're going to uh, be in the building. Uh, I plan on being in the building. Yes, I mean I'm still not a hundred percent, but I'm hoping by tomorrow uh, that I'll be there and I'll be in the building. And uh, me and Pitino will both be wearing a white suit with red underwear. And that's what we'll be doing. So there you go. I'm kidding. Of course, Butler uh, in St. John's. I do wish you know this. I know you hate this, that it was the early Big East game at 630 instead of the late Big East game uh, at 830. But that's a big one. Uh, we talk, it's, I know it's a quad two game, but boy, those are two teams, Butler and St. John's right there, squarely on the bubble. Yeah, Lenardi hasn't teams. really moved Butler a whole lot. No. I believe he had him like team like 72. Yeah, that's um, about right. On the wrong side of the bubble, right, I should right, say, right. But again, they're not too, too far away from it, so certainly need to hold serve. And then as we said yesterday, get something done in Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament. Uh, and then in the next hour, our guy Evan's going to be dropping off some cluster trucks. So we can't wait for that. Again, use the code the fan on cluster truck, clustertruck.com and the app get 25% off your next order of $25 or more. I did see now he's on the phone right now getting the winner, but Mark brought up something and we'll dive into some, uh, some NFL combine stuff here in a second. Mark brought up this, that he was downtown last night and it's funny. Uh, he saw all the autograph guys outside of St. Elmo's. And, uh, and so when he gets off the phone here, we'll have to find out exactly uh, who he thinks was in St. Elmo's, but I did see it last night. I did see the first media member take a picture of his stake at St. Elmo's. And for me, Kevin Bowen, that signifies the beginning of the combine week when an NFL media member takes his phone and takes the picture of the uh, big, the biggest stake at St. Elmo's. You can proceed from there. Uh, n- now I feel like we have officially entered combine week yeah. with uh, plates of food being taken at St. Elmo's. Who was out there last night? Do you have any idea? Uh, well, we were going. We we're driving to the garage to go to the Pacers game, and we looked up. I was like, "Oh my God! Look at all the autograph hounds waiting outside St. Elmo's." Was it John Elway and, uh, who was there. I saw this morning that uh, Andy Reid and ah, uh, uh, Big Red. Yeah, looks like Big uh, Red was the one on Instagram taking his picture of his no, thing. No, mm-hmm. this was a Giants beat report. No, it was Peter, it. Pete Schrager no from uh, Good Morning Football oh, okay. had, had yeah. the picture. So it's okay. Looks like uh, Andy Reid was in town, joining his uh, enjoying a steak, and I'm sure some sh- shrimp cocktail. 
The autograph so, hoarder is going to be busy then because they're going to have, what, Zion Williamson late, late tonight get to Indy over at the Conrad, so they're going to have to go back and forth a little bit mm-hmm. there. If we put you in a suit, KB, do we think we could pass you off as somebody, you know, uh, outside the media room where all the autograph guys are? Could we do that with anybody? One Maybe JMV I, we do that with? One time I'm leaving training camp uh, this past year, and there's Colts fans out there, diehard bunch, and I mean, we're talking, we're now two hours after practice has ended. And they're yelling at me, and I, I can barely even hear what they're saying. But you know, they're waving me down, and I'm like, "All right, let me drive my car over there, and I will, you know, say hi to them." And all of a sudden, I get out of my car. I'm like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" And they all kind of look at me like, you know, "Who the hell are you?" And then after about 30 seconds, they're like, "I'm not gonna lie, we thought you were Shane Steichen." Wow. Okay, I like that. They so That's humbling. I, I like that they thought you were Shane Steichen. I'm like, well, I'll get back in my car, go fill up my gas, and head back home. So you went over there, and the, the you could see the, the smiles went to frown. The dejection on their will. face was pretty obvious. Oh, man. Now, do you think they noticed once I started communicating with them for more than five words, they realized that I wasn't Shane Steichen? You weren't just talking ball, so they yeah. knew something yeah, was up. Yeah, but maybe from, from far away, you're, you're a tall guy. I don't know. Maybe you had a hat on, and that's basically... Basically, all you and Shane Steichen maybe have in common. Wow, Shane a Steichen's a big Notre Dame Hoops fan. I had no idea. He loves Shrewsbury so much. Yeah. What an odd get-to-know-your-coach moment. It's probably where it stops for me in the Shane Steichen comparisons, right? Yeah, I, probably. I don't think intellectually it goes very far. Again, Steichen 3.30, by the way. Tomorrow, Ballard 1.30 if you're looking for those group session interviews at the Combine. Ballard with us at 9.30. On Thursday. Yeah, and I can't remember. JMV is going to have Steichen. I don't know if that's going to be Wednesday right, or Thursday. Yeah, I think it's right after that 3.30 okay. Okay. Uh, group session tomorrow. So yeah, JMV, I would assume, uh, right around the 4 o'clock hour tomorrow. Boy, JMV better have those questions ready. He better, you know, you might get an 8-second answer from Steichen. You better, it's like uh, interviewing a player sometimes. You better have about 53 questions ready uh, for Shane Steichen. So Combine Week, we'll be down there uh, coming up tomorrow Thursday and Friday here uh, on the wake up call. All right, so we have some fancy imaging. You know, I was going to do this, just, you know, things. I was sitting outside yesterday. It's like 70 degrees. I uh, got the baby outside yesterday. He was like, okay with it. The dogs are rolling around in the yard. I'm thinking, you know, the Caleb Williams stuff is out there. You know, one thing we didn't even mention yesterday was in the midst of his retirement, you know, Peter King did put in his final column that he kind of thinks the Bears are going to trade. And he set up a situation where they traded multiple times. And just, Mark, if you love picks, you might love the Chicago Bears. And they just keep getting first and second and third rounders. So, you know, that is out there. And it very well uh, could happen. We talked... Uh, with Kalen yesterday, who who was in with us from the Athletic on, uh, you know, hey, if he's unhappy going to Chicago, so the Kayla, I feel like the Caleb Williams stuff. Let's set that aside because there's a it is lot a huge with, deal. There's a lot with Caleb Williams. Oh, there's I, a I, lot. I, it's I mean, a story. Kalen Kaler again for those that missed it, close out the show with us. She wrote a profile on, you know, really Caleb Williams' upbringing and his background and his father Carl, and spoke to what over twenty people. She said for this profile, if you're drafting that kid. You're drafting a whole lot with him. Oh, yeah. Off the oh, field, yeah. you know, ego, baggage. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, and again, you know, you have your quarterbacks nowadays. That might be kind of par for the course of what we're going to deal with. I thought she brought up a great point. This is really the first NIL draft, like full oh, NIL yeah. draft. He's these an guys, NIL baby. Sure. You know, walked into college or yep. very early in their college careers became NIL QBs, but you know, there's a lot of GMs out there that I think would prefer to have their quarterback I, not dealing with a lot of that stuff. And I, I'm not to say that Drake May and Jaden Daniels totally are oblivious to that stuff, but Caleb Williams has certainly been in that Hollywood limelight. 
for a lot, lot longer. Yeah, what was crazy is she said, uh, you know, go back and hit, hit up the podcast later in the show. She said, you know, a lot of people didn't even want to talk on the record uh, on what Caleb and the father were kind of doing, getting ready for the draft. So we're eight weeks away. Let's move the Caleb Williams stuff aside. So he's got five things, and I have a little bit of sound. Dane Brugler was on with JMV yesterday. He's going to be on with us tomorrow in, not what, 9.30, Mark? 9.30 Nine, there. 9.40. 9.40 uh, when we're down at the NFL Combine, so we can even ask him. He, he has a name. We'll get to that here in a second. He has a name to watch a guy that he thinks Chris Ballard could fall in love with. Maybe even as early as 15. So we'll get to that here uh, in a second. Give me number one here. Ooh, look at this. One. Oh, you like that? Look at us. One. One. You like that? Combine uh, week is here. Combine week is here. Pictures of steaks uh, and fancy imaging on the morning show. All right, so here are a couple things I want to eat your thoughts on. This has nothing totally to do with the actual draft, but it's super interesting. Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley, all, according to Adam Schefter, it's looking like they will not get the franchise tag. The franchise tag is only a couple million more than it was last year. I think it was a little over 10 last year for the Giants, specifically them. You know, I'm a fan of the Giants. To tag Barkley, it's a little bit over 12 this year. So I guess I'm thinking, why would you not do it? It's not that much more money. But this running back market, Barkley, Jacobs, Pollard, none of these guys are going to receive the franchise tag. That is kind of interesting, is it not? Well, again, welcome to today's day and age with NFL running backs. And the other thing is, what does that mean for Zach Moss? You know, do you view that as, hey, we can go out and get affordable, maybe not at that level, but much more of a reasonable asking price? He might cost you five mil or four mil, something like that. And is that the route that you want to take? So uh, I am kind of curious curious of that from a Colts standpoint. All right. Number number two. two. There we go. Beautiful. Uh, We need to say where we stand on some things. So where I stand with the Colts at 15 And we'll get to corners here in a second. Where I stand with the Colts is I want either Brock Bowers or a pass rusher. I don't, KB, where do you stand? Is that how you, I feel feel like we might be lockstep here. Yeah, Bowers is there, give me Bowers. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit more team rusher because I just think there's scarcity at that position. But I I would not, I mean, again, the overall theme of supporting Anthony Richardson has got to be paramount this offseason. So, yeah, I, I, I will not lose sleep at all if that is the path that you take. But, uh, questions for Daniel Jeremiah today, Dan Brugler tomorrow. Again, weigh the depth. You know, at 45 or wherever they're picking in the second round, 47, uh, can you find a quality wideout that maybe the pass rusher isn't necessarily the same there as it would be at 15? The question I would have then emanating from this, if a few of those pass rushers are not there, okay, and Brock Bowers, let's say he goes 5 to the Chargers or goes to the Titans or goes to a number of other teams, okay? Anybody could take him. He's a very good player. Then what? Do you like that early at 15 some of the second wide receivers? Brian Thomas, the big kid from LSU. Do you like Keon Coleman uh, in mock drafts? He's kind of slipped a little bit maybe in the last couple weeks to the back end of the first round. Would that be a reach? Do you like wide receiver that much at 15? But where I stand right now, I am Bowers or a pass rusher for the Colts. Oh, that's interesting. Number three. All right, the great corner debate. We have had it on this show. There's three guys I think that you look at. 
Terion Arnold coming from Alabama, Nate Wiggins coming from Clemson, and then Quinion Mitchell, the Toledo kid, uh, who the senior bowl balled out. His tape is fantastic, and you would imagine, you know, this week and the evaluation process, the next seven, eight weeks, that he's going to be. Am I missing anybody? Uh, so those are the top three corners that you look at. This is another question for Chris Ballard on Thursday that he probably won't answer. Do you feel comfortable if you're the Colts bringing in another young corner and having that room be so damn young? Uh, that that to me is a question because one of these guys, if not two of them, KB, are probably going to be there, especially the run that we're going to get. We'll get to that in a second on quarterbacks. Terion Arnold, Nate Wiggins, Quinion Mitchell, the three to look at. I think both of us agree with Nate Atkins of the star that we would like to see them get a veteran in here, right? I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name he mentioned, the kid from Washington. Yeah, Kendall Fuller. Uh, Kendall Fuller it, it, it's doesn't much, have to be him. Yeah, it's much more of a free agency need for me. And also, Gus Bradley doesn't put a huge premium on those guys out on islands. So if this is the defensive path you're taking moving forward, I don't view 15 overall as, as that's where you uh, go. that valuable of a resource to use on that sort of position. So I view corner as a need, but more of a free agency need. And also you just need some internal development. You need Juju Brents. You need Jalen Jones. You know, hopefully uh, Dallas Flowers can get back to help. I mean, you, you also need some in-house development with those guys. Right. And Kenny Moore is still out there. What do you do with those? Yeah, you I know, mean, to you, me, that's, a, you, that's mean, an obvious that's, resign. That, that's a huge one. So I think you're going to see, if you're a Colts fan, probably where I disagree with the most mock drafts is People look at the end of the season. They look at the young corners. They look at someone like Kenny Moore who may not be here because of free agency. And they say it makes all the sense in the world. One of these you know, good corners is going to be there. And they are going to be there at 15. Chris Ballard goes out and gets one of those. Arnold Wiggins, Mitchell, uh, we'll see what happens there. Let's go to number four. four. J.J. McCarthy and the quarterbacks. How many quarterbacks can we get that will sneak in KB before the Colts draft at 15. There is not a mock draft out there right now. And I think this will be a question perhaps for, for uh, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL network at nine o'clock JJ McCarthy is taken in every mock draft anywhere from eight to 11. You have the giants who could move up. You have Minnesota specifically the Vikings, that could move up. You have the Denver Broncos that are lurking there as, you know, those three teams are not drafting at the very, very top, so they may not get that first rung of quarterback. J.J. McCarthy, who played in a very run-heavy, he's, uh, he's, they've done this thing with him, he's a winner. In high school and college, uh, he's always been a winner. Big-time run-heavy offense, didn't have to show off his arm too much. J.J. McCarthy, he'll get taken before the Colts. There'll be four quarterbacks that will go before the Colts at 15. Could we get a fifth? That, to me, is a big question. I don't know about Uh, that. I don't know if we get that, but regardless. Would be the fifth? Bo Nix? Yeah, I forgot about Bo Nix, yeah. Yeah, I think Bonex. Jeremiah had uh, Bo, uh, Michael Penix 38, 39, something like that on his overall prospects. But it seems like J.J. McCarthy certainly will be a top 15 guy. And that's, again, gold for the Colts. You want as many of those guys to come off the board as possible. Number five. All right, the last one, Dane Brugler, uh, who's going to be on with us tomorrow from The Athletic. He was on with JMV. He gave us a name. Okay, you ready for this? 
JMV at the end of the interview, I thought it was a good interview. He asked him, hey, is there someone from the Senior Bowl? We know how these evaluators, we know how Chris Ballard especially, they love the Senior Bowl. Is there somebody that stood out a couple weeks ago at the Senior Bowl who will continue to stand out this week and in the evaluation process that you think the Colts and Chris Ballard may like? Take a listen. The other thing we know about uh, Chris Ballard is he loves traits on the defensive line and Darius Robinson from Missouri showed out at the senior bowl. Um, he was outstanding. He's six, five, two ninety. He's long, he's athletic. Um, and he couldn't be blocked all week in mobile during practice. And I think that's something that'll continue here at the senior bowl with, uh, the way he plays. He's not going to be, he's not going to have the best 40. Uh, he'll probably be somewhere in the four sevens, four eights. Uh, but I mean, again, this is a guy that we're talking about two ninety, and he's going to run, that time he's going to have suddenness he's going to have power so I think Darius Robinson probably more a guy that's going to go in the 20s than than the top 20 but definitely a name to keep on the radar if you're uh, if you're a Colts fan because you know we've got the uh, got the eye of Ballard the eye that needs to be a segment the eye of Ballard so I wanted to throw that your way I don't know uh, if I don't know how much you've seen of him I saw Missouri last year about five or six times. I went back and did watch some highlights of him, which is always crazy because it's, you know, the best of a player. He did line up out predominantly outside. Uh, so he was on the edge a lot for Missouri last year. Darius See, that's Robinson, a question I have. Sacks. To me, it sounds too interior for me. I mean, 6'5", 280, 285, that's a little bit more interior guy. I, I And I, I don't know, maybe I'm nitpicking too much here. I want the bendy, twitchy, the fast edge rusher. I don't think that this D-line needs another. Obviously, great players, and you rotate a lot, and they're versatile guys to have up front. You know, Dio Dangbo has been a good example of a versatile piece uh, that you obviously want to have moving forward. But again, specifically for me, when I think of D-line and where you need to upgrade, it's the speed edge rusher. It's the guy that can really bend off that edge and create a lot of havoc out there. Robinson sounds like a great player, uh, but I, I don't think he fits necessarily that specific ingredient that yeah, I'm looking he, for. He's not, the Colts. Two, he's not 260. He's 295. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference. I mean, those 20, 30 pounds, uh, he is a beast. I remember seeing him play last year, but just a name to throw out there, kid that dominated the Senior Bowl, uh, probably will have met good measurables. You know, if he has a good combine week, is it a little bit too early? Maybe a guy who's in the 20s, would Ballard go at 15 and aim to watch Darius Robinson out of Missouri? We'll be at the combine each of the next three days. Chris Ballard joining us Thursday late in the show. A lot to get to. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. With Rick Carlisle, the Pacers head coach, joins us next. Rick Carlisle will join us here in just a second. Reminder, uh, coming up uh, at 9 o'clock, Daniel Jeremiah will join us from the NFL Network, NFL Combine, ongoing just down the street from us here uh, in Indianapolis at the Expo Center. We'll be out there Wednesday 
Thursday and Friday with all the sights and sounds of the NFL Combine. Chris Ballard expected to join us coming up on Thursday. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, Lost last night to the Raptors. We can talk about that and much more. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. Let's start here. I guess, you know, I've been playing some pretty good basketball out of the break. What bothered you uh, the most uh, coming from last night's loss? And what do you think ultimately your team can learn from losing last night, if anything? Yeah, um, we struggled in a lot of areas, but I thought the the worst part of the night, uh, there were really two things. Uh, defensively, um, our ability to contain the ball was very poor. And offensively, the ball stuck, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have the same type of ball movement and assist numbers that we normally have. So uh, it was a it was a frustrating game and an ugly game. And um, give uh, give Toronto credit for how well they played, but uh, but we did not play well. Coach, obviously the shot making from Benedict Matherin last night was at a pretty high level. Some of the difficulty there. What stood out to me since the All-Star break, a, a few more like little plays from him offensively. Obviously the rebounding, both ends of the floor, but look at the assist numbers. I, I just feel like he's making an extra pass or two, um, even if it's not showing up directly with that assist in the box score. What specifically have you seen from him here since the start of the break, or start of the second half? Well, he's doing... He's doing a lot of good things, and there's been a lot of growth and development. And um, you know, last night, part of the a big part of our problem was we just we became too much of an ISO team, and we're that's just not who we are uh, when we play the style of game that we need to play. And you know, he's one of the guys that can rise up and and, and hit a shot or go in and manufacture something. And so he. He got on quite a roll um, in the third period, which really, really kept us in the game. I think we had, we had been down 12 um, in the third period, and uh, we got it back to even, or maybe maybe even had a one point lead, and then uh, you know we took a, a three point deficit into the fourth. But he's rebounded better in recent games. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, you know he's he's his assist numbers are, are better. Um, but, you know, he, along with our entire team, struggled defensively. And, you know, one of the problems with running him big minutes last night was, you know, I think fatigue got to him. And, you know, he ended up giving up uh, a couple of big baskets down the stretch. So, you know, there's there there are some positives um, for certain guys, you know, if you're just going to look at scoring and things like that. But, our defense and rebounding and um, our responsibility rotating defensively um, has got to be much, much better. Did you see anything different from what Toronto did in trying to take away Tyrese last night? They just played hard. And, you know, they did some different things where they were angling him on the court. And really, the the big thing for us was that we we just needed to get more stops and we needed to get the ball um, more free flowing and, and moving better, and so we just it was just it was sticky all night, and uh, so you know again give give them credit. I mean they were sitting on two days rest. Um, they've come out of the break with uh, with some real determination. You know they're trying to make the 
make the play into the playoffs. Um, they're three and zero out of the break. Um, they got some, you know, they got some talented players, and now their team is is set. You know, I mean, you think about it, the first half of the season. You know, it was all about whether you know uh, what was going to happen with with Siakam and what was going to happen with Ananobi and. Those guys probably knew that they were going to get traded, and so you know, there's just uh, there's a lot of things up in the air. Uh, they don't have that issue now, and uh, and they're playing better. Pacers head coach Rick Carlisle with us here on the fan on this Tuesday joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You guys two and nine on back to backs. I think just one more uh, coming up in a couple weeks uh, left this season. Is there anything you can do to combat that? Uh, I, I know what happens. You talked about it after the game that it's the NBA. Hey, they're going to be back-to-backs. But I guess how do you get better at that second game on a back-to-back? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. We gotta we gotta defend and rebound better. I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, those two things are always going to be front and center for us. And you know, last night was disappointing um, because. I think in the previous five games, you know, you can now look at, you know, your uh, trends, you know, um, you know, through the internet, through different analytic sites, and through your own metrics. Um, I, I believe before uh, last night's game, in our previous five games, that we were either top five or top seven in the in the league defensively, which is great, you know. But um, you know, you have a win, a great win against Dallas. Uh, it seemed like it felt like we were going to be in good shape last night. You know, with our starters not playing huge minutes uh, in the Dallas game, but you know, Toronto came out determined. Uh, they came out playing harder, and you know, they just got by us too many times. And you know, Pirtle sprained his ankle, I think, in the third quarter, or something like that. But he had he had fifteen and ten, you know, before he left the game, and and those are just plays where. You know he's hanging around the basket, and um, the the problems of of dribble penetration loosened him up on the inside, and then smaller guys when we switched, you know, needed to get a body on him, didn't do it, and so you know we just we were experiencing a lot of negative things that you know we needed to do better with. Two and one out of the break, they'll conclude this four game homestand coming up tomorrow night again national TV against the Pelicans. Rick Carlisle with us here. On the Payless Liquors Hotline, I want to go back to the Dallas game, 104-100 in the fourth quarter. You take a timeout. Kyrie had scored. It was like nine straight. And come out of timeout, Ben Shepard hits a three. A couple possessions later, he hits another one, specifically with him. I thought that was such a huge sequence Sunday evening for you guys. What has he done to earn, obviously, you trade away Buddy Heal. He's going to play more. What has he done to earn your guys' trust here as a rookie? Well, he's very consistent defensively. Um, he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, and, you know, to to really demonstrate the difference in the two games, I mean, he made five threes in the Dallas game, stepped into some really good looks consistently, and all five of them went down. Last night he had three really good looks in the first half, and none of them went down. They are all online and hit the back rim. But from a process process standpoint, you know, that's that's exactly what you want. And, you know, as you as you examine our team um, last night, you know he was uh, he was one of the guys um, who didn't didn't have a gaudy statistical night, but he's a plus one on the floor. You know, so he was doing a lot of good things. Um, 
your question is a good one. You know, uh, he he's because of his experience, you know, being a four-year player, et cetera, and because of how he was coached in college and, uh, you know, those kinds of things, he, he comes to the NBA with, with, uh, with the tools, with the experience, um, and with the abilities to be a, a, a good system player really right off the bat. And so, you know, in the game at Toronto 10, 11 days ago, you know, he had two big threes in the fourth. He defended Barrett on the last play, and – you know, Barrett missed the shot, and he battled him pretty well. And then uh, in the Dallas game, he played a he played a big role. And you know, last night he was he was solid, but uh, but the shot making wasn't there. But the process was good. So um, you know, right now he's an important guy to us, especially with Neesmith out. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, that Sunday night, Coach, that was such a fun game uh, over Dallas. I know we had to, you know, we've led a lot with what happened last night with Toronto, but that game on Sunday uh, was a heck of a lot of fun. Doug McDermott leaves uh, right calf injury. Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith, still that right ankle has missed now three games. Uh, he's got to rest that about a week and a half, two weeks or so. Any update on either of those guys this morning? No. Um, you know, Aaron is Aaron is doing better. Um, we'll see if if tomorrow is is any kind of possibility. Uh, no, no more later today. Today's an off day, but uh, but he'll be in for treatment and uh, we'll do some court work. But he's getting closer. But um, I do not have a determination on whether he's going to be uh, ready to go. And um, you know, I I would assume. The Doug is probably going to be out. Um, you know, it's a it's a calf injury, um, and you know he was unable to return last night. So, but we'll see. It's 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 hard for me to know exactly. Uh, New Orleans coming up two uh, two times here in the next three nights, Coach. For you, obviously, first time you've seen them this season. Zion Williamson has been pretty healthy this year. Obviously, he's putting up big, big numbers. We haven't asked you a ton about like individual matchups throughout the year, but just the uniqueness in facing a guy like like Zion. Well, now he's playing the majority at the point guard position, and so it's uh, you know it's just a this is a different kind of look. Um, his playmaking ability is awesome. He passes great. Um, if he gets any kind of crevice at all, he is explosive at the rim. And if he misses, he's right back up there to tip it in or dunk it, you know. And so he's a you know he's a very very unique player. Um, you know, last year um, last year we we played him well in one game and won at home. Um, he still had some. He still had good numbers, but. Uh, he didn't go crazy against us. Um, I think in the second game he didn't play, and we played at New Orleans, and, and we were un- unable to win that game. So, um, you know, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, you know, they've had some some injury stuff um, going on during the year. I know Ingram was out. He came back. He played uh, in the game two nights ago um, against Chicago. So they play the Knicks tonight uh, in New York, and we'll get them the second night of the back of a back to back. Uh, our game on Wednesday will be seven thirty instead of seven o'clock, um, and with the way their team is aligned right now, and I think they've got they may have a, a, a guy or two that is out for our game with the suspension thing that came from the Miami game. Um, they're going to have a different kind of look personnel wise, um, maybe not a true point guard as we know it, 
Uh, don't know the, the status of McCollum. He's been out, and he's starting to shoot and get back on the floor a little bit, and so we'll see where he is tonight, whether he's back in the mix. But they got a lot of long athletic defenders. Um, they're a team that's very very well built to switch. They rebound well um, with Alan Tunis, um, and they got to, they got some wings that they can shoot the ball. So, you know, it's it's another it'll be another tough game in the NBA. Um, and important for us to bounce back after last night, but uh, but not easy. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Fanny Joins Us Payless Liquors Hotline. It's the wake up call here on this Tuesday. You know, I'll ask you this. Uh, it's Listen, it's a corny question. I kind of feel like I'm going to know your answer, but it's something that we talk about a lot on here. You guys sit right now as the seven seed, and we know the difference of being the six or being the seven or the eight. How much do you guys talk about that, that you want to be in that top six and you don't want to be in the play-in situation being a seven, eight, or nine, obviously? How much is that a conversation within the team there? Well, when we do talk about it, we talk about getting to the top four. We're not talking okay. about the top six. That's giving into you know a, a, a lower a lower threshold, and we've got to think bigger than that. And uh, you know, we we talked last night before the game about you know the, these are the hard games, these are the very difficult games, especially coming off emotional wins that you gotta you gotta try to find a way to win if we want to. Uh, if we want to be where we desire to be, um, look, I, I thought I thought our effort in many ways was 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 pretty good, um, but uh, you know Toronto brought uh, an intensity and an energy to the game that that we just simply did not match. So that's disappointing. And now now the task is to clear our minds, get our bodies tuned back up, um, and get ready tomorrow because you know you got to. As you as you mentioned, you know we got a, a different kind of force of nature. I mean, you got Doncic one night, you got Barnes the next night. Well, I should say you got Doncic and Irving one night. You got you got Scotty Barnes and, and Barrett the next night. You know, and then uh, you know tomorrow we're gonna have we're gonna have Zion and, and we're gonna have uh, Valanciunas on the inside, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a big physical game. So we're gonna have to be ready. Again, 7.30 ESPN along with Bally. Coach, appreciate the time on this Tuesday morning, as always. Okay, thanks. Take care. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. All right, we move into the 9 o'clock hour, broadcasting live from the DriveHuber.com studios. KB and Andy, wake up call, hanging out with you. Another hour here up until 10 o'clock. Miss any part of the show, you can always check that out, 1075thefan.com. We had Rick Carlisle on. Uh, we had him on the 8 o'clock hour. Some great stuff there. Daniel Jeremiah going to join us from the NFL Network here in a second. Uh, reminder, Steichen and Ballard on Wednesday. They'll be speaking. We hope to have uh, Chris Ballard on Thursday in the 9 o'clock hour as the Colts eight weeks away from 
the NFL Draft. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Daniel Jeremiah joins us. You'll see him all over the NFL Network, also host of the podcast, Move the Sticks, and he joins us here on this Tuesday. Daniel, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know your schedule is busy. Let's start here. Uh, Besides Caleb Williams and all the drama, perhaps, around him, uh, what is the main storyline besides Caleb Williams for you that you'll be watching going into the Combine this week? Well, for me, it's going to be these other two positions with tackles and receivers, which feel like the deepest in the draft to me by a considerable margin. So I'm anxious to see if that holds serve, you know, get a chance to see these guys live in person, uh, see how big they are, get a chance to see these guys move around a little bit. So uh, that would probably be the the biggest storyline for me. On the outside coming into this week, it looks like a great, great group of uh, tackles and wideouts. Again, Daniel Jeremiah, obviously, as Andy said, you'll see him all over the NFL Network, does an outstanding job when it comes to the draft. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Daniel, your latest mock, you had Nate Wiggins to the Colts at 15. Interesting enough, you had Brock Bowers dropping to 18 to Cincinnati. Uh, any thought to Bowers there at 15 to Indianapolis? That would be a heck of a pick. I think I might have done it there in the uh, previous one. Uh, they all start blending together when you're doing <laughs> these mock drafts. But that would be uh, it. Would be a, a great fit in Indianapolis if he were to go there. Just from a standpoint of, it's you know to me, it kind of reminds me of Dallas Clark with a jetpack strapped to his back. Mm. So it would be a uh, it would be something that Colts fans would have a lot of fun watching. But usually when I'm when I'm doing those um, you know mock drafts since Chris Ballard got there. I try and just find the toolsiest, traitsiest player I can find and throw him in there, and uh, and Wiggins fits that mold. Very smart move, knowing Chris Bauer and how much he loves those uh, RAS scores when it comes to the draft. I'm curious, depth-wise, wideout versus edge rusher, because in my opinion, Daniel, this team right now, those are the two needs I kind of put above the rest. So when you weigh that, at like pick 15, what type of edge rusher would you be looking versus you know, wideout-wise, is there more depth there if you were to wait on that until whatever, you come around in the middle of round two? Yeah, there's a zillion receivers. So if it came down and it was anywhere close and you get a chance to get one of the top three edge rushers, for sure it's a no-brainer. Um, I, I think you'd go edge rusher. Even if it was your fourth guy, I think you could make a strong case that, well, you're still going to have receiver options. You're going to like it. Pick 46. So, um, you know, I think Ty, Ty definitely goes to the edge rusher in that scenario. Daniel Jeremiah joining us uh, from the NFL, uh, from the NFL Network, hosts the podcast, Move the Sticks. You'll see him all over, uh, be knocking out of the park there for the NFL Network. You know, we talked about this, J.J. McCarthy, uh, it seems, it seems, and you tell us, a consensus that he will go before 15 uh, to the Colts. So that would put four quarterbacks. Do you believe that to be true? How big is this week for a guy like J.J. McCarthy? And then do you think a fifth quarterback could slip in there before the Colts at 15, given that so many teams are looking at quarterbacks this season. Yeah, you know, look, it sounds crazy when you say that big of a number, but I, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out at this point in time. I do know we got to get through, uh, you know, we got to get through free agency, see what the musical chairs looks like, uh, see where these veterans land and, and, and uh, you know, in terms of the teams that are picking ahead of them, if they are able to solve that with a veteran, that could change the math a little bit, but I do feel I do feel strongly we're going to get four, you know, and whether mm-hmm. that's McCarthy or Bo Nix or, you know, maybe, you know, somehow panics were to get up in there. But there's just the math doesn't work. It's too many teams that need quarterbacks. 
Again, he's Daniel Jeremiah. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. NFL Network coverage is going to ramp up later this week. The prospects get on the field Thursday for workouts. Uh, speaking of QBs, Michael Penix, 38th guy on your board. How much of that is due to the medicals? Uh, and where do you exactly see him falling when it's all said and done? Yeah, that's the biggest concern. I mean, it's hard to put a list together on the outside because as currently constructed, the Move the Six podcast does not have a medical team. Um, <laughs> so we're working on that. We're going to see if we can maybe get that accomplished. Good luck on that. Uh, but, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's going to be a little bit of an unknown from the outside. The teams will have all that information that they need. Uh, but that would be the number one concern. Then I would say, you know, just some of the pocket movement stuff. You saw, you saw his ability to do that in the Texas game. Uh, but there are other games where, you know, it just, you know, wasn't really creative um, in terms of being able to move around and, and get away from things. So uh, those would be kind of the two limiting factors. But, man, the guy can throw the heck out of it. He's got a power, power arm. He can drive it. Throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, so there's there's a lot to like there. I kind of put him in that, that second round second round range for me. Um, just kind of waiting on, uh, on, on hearing some information from these teams and how he comes out of this week medically. Okay, you kind of let off with wide-out tackle, great depth there. Where is it shallow in this year's draft class? Uh, I don't think it's a great tight end group. Um, running back-wise, we don't have high-end guys, but we've got a good group of six to eight guys that I think are you know, worthy of going on day two at some point in time. Um, so there, there's that group. Uh, I get other positions around linebacker, off-the-ball linebacker is not great. Uh, I think we have one first-round caliber uh, off-the-ball linebacker in Edgerton Cooper, and then after that, it, you know, you start to fall off, and it's not quite as deep. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely this year more than any other. It feels like we've got some loaded positions and some that are pretty shallow. Daniel Jeremiah joining us here. It's a wake-up call here on The Fan on this. Tuesday joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, he's doing football workouts, Daniel. He's not doing the combine workouts. What do you make of that? And then I guess some of the internet murmurings that some teams may have Malik neighbors actually a little bit higher than Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you believe that? And what do you make of kind of his workout schedule and how he's approaching the next six, seven, eight weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, I look. I, I don't. I don't uh, have anything negative to say about his decision not to do anything. I mean, in some ways, I feel like it'd be like going to a uh, young Mariah Carey and a- asking her to audition. You know, like you kind of like, okay, well, I've kind of seen everything I can do here. Do I really need to do more? So, I, I get it. I mean, the interesting thing with him, he went through the whole pro day last year at Ohio State. Hmm. So when CJ Stroud was out there throwing, he was out there running routes. Teams taking notes on him. So I'm curious to see, even when we get to the pro day, how much you're going to see him. Uh, really do. But, uh, you know, in terms of how close it is, I, I have really close grades. I have a Dunze actually over neighbors, but all three of those guys, I mean, I think those are those are all top five players in this draft class. That is a great group of wideouts. He's great. Daniel Jeremiah, certainly draft coverage, his specialty. When it comes to NFL Network, you'll see him a lot this week live here over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, we'll be down at the convention center each of the next three mornings for live shows. Daniel, specifically for me, when I think of wideout tight end for the Colts, I think of getting a guy that can really impact post-catch. You know, the Colts have got a lot of power forwards in their room. You know, Josh Downs a nice slot guy. And I get these guys are hard to find, but, you know, it's those guys you throw the ball to, boom, they go make the play with the ball in their hands. If you thought of some guys post-catch in this draft class, wideout tight end-wise, who stands out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, from the uh, you know from the wideouts standpoint, it's it's Malachi Corley. I mean, he's the best run after catch guy out of Western Kentucky. He's you know, I think he's even if you looked up his uh, his handle on social media, I think is like Yak King or Yak Monster or something. So he, he takes uh, he takes a lot of pride in that, uh, and he's the best in this class with the ball in his hands. Yeah, one of the ones that's kind of uh, um, that I really like it. We've talked so much about Lad McConkey as a route runner in this uh, in this draft season, but with the ball in his hands, he can make you miss and run away from you too, out of Georgia. So he's a he's a fun one. Who actually somebody I was talking to the, the other day. Uh, compared him to Brandon Stokely, which I thought was kind of an interesting one because you know it wasn't you know Brandon could play outside, could play inside, and, and you guys know him well. There uh, was a really really good player, so that that would be another receiver. Uh, McLaughlin would be the tight end I'd keep an eye on out of Arizona. He's really really good with the ball in his hands, um, and uh, kind of a little bit of an under the radar guy. Probably be like a fourth round pick, um, but I I like his game a lot. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah is with us. Move the sticks is the podcast, and again, plenty of appearances coming up this week. On NFL Network, you'll see him alongside Rich Eisen for all of their coverage. Uh, locally here, I know not a ton of flavor, but certainly if you go up to South Bend, you're going to get some. Uh, Joe Alt, the offensive tackle there, I assume he's a top 10 pick in your eyes? Yeah, he's he's just so safe and clean. And, you know, look, he, he doesn't... You know, he's not the, quite the athlete or the mover that maybe some of the, you know, tonsils are or some of those guys that we've seen over the years, maybe not quite in that class, you know, with Slater or Sewell. But he's he's just really, really technically sound, and the guy's dang enormous. So um, you're not going to get you're not gonna get through him, and he just doesn't really get beat. So uh, to me, he's, he's like the he, – I had him as a top offensive lineman just because I feel like it's just you're parking that ball right in the middle of the fairway. Daniel Jeremiah with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Daniel, what do you believe, I don't know, some of the noise around Kayla Williams, does he want to play in Chicago, does he not want to play in Chicago, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, could the Bears trade out and continue to move down a time or two and continue, you know, their last couple years of just this arsenal of first and second and third round picks. What do you believe to be true uh, and what kind of conversations are you expecting this week at the Combine surrounding Caleb Williams and will he play for Chicago and just all of that noise right now? Well, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to most here is just hearing from Caleb Williams because, you know, look, he doesn't have an agent and he's the, you know, kind of the point person of this draft. He's the face of this draft and has been for over a year. So everybody has theories. Everybody's heard this from another person who heard it from another person who heard it from another person. Uh, there's very little concrete information on that. So I'm I'm anxious to actually hear him speak for himself. You know, is he, you know, is he okay with with going to Chicago? Does he want to be the first pick? And um, you know, what does he plan on doing from now till the draft? So I, that's that's to me what I'm just waiting on. I know one thing: the kid is ridiculously talented. Yeah. No, he's really good. Now you and Drake May. Uh, second, your latest mock draft, you had him going second. Again, we'll see with all the trades. You actually, uh, you had Jane Daniels making it all the way to six in the New York Giants. Why do you have May second? Why do you have Daniels third? Yeah, that's still TBD on that one. Um, I I ended up, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do something different. I have quarterbacks going one, two, three in the first one. I think that's what ends up happening. And if it's not with New England, it would be with the trade. I just in these mock drafts, especially before free agency, I'm like, I'm not going to do trades in this thing. I just <laughs> let's just wait. So connecting him more with the team than necessarily the slot sure. and the Giants being a quarterback team. So 
that's where I had him going there. But in terms of those two guys, yeah, that's that's one of the things. Um, that's going to be one of my projects I'm looking forward to is you kind of jam through to get all 330 of these guys done before the combine. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to once this is over, going back and having a chance to do a, a deeper dive on those two guys. Because, you know, make no mistake, Jaden Daniels played better than Drake May this year. Um, I don't think anybody would really refute that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the body of work as well as kind of the build, the frame, um, you know, kind of the, the, the raw tools that Drake May has. That's why I have him ahead of, of Jaden Daniels right now. But that one's not, uh, that one's not uh, in ink. Let's put it that way. All right, Daniel, we'll end with this. And as always, we appreciate your time here. I know it's a busy week, and your schedule combine-wise has really shifted in years with now the you know workouts becoming at night a little bit more. Uh, if I took St. Elmo's off the board, mm. what, what is your uh, one go-to stop here in the city of Indianapolis? Well, I mean, does it count? Isn't like isn't Harry and Izzy's owned by the same people? Is that like yeah, it's kind of a cop out answer. If I'm going to be totally honest, yeah, I, I that's all. You know what I do? I go there and I go to Chick Fil A and I sit in my room and I watch tape. <laughs> You're damn right. Spoken like a draft guru right. right there. That honestly sounds like a pretty good like weekend away. If I'm going to be totally honest with you there. <laughs> there used to be a good sushi place that I used to go to with one of my buddies. I've been coming here for 20 plus years. And then it shut down about five years ago. And there was literally three straight years where we walked to it and forgot that it shut down. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Steak and Shake right there on the corner of Maryland. And, uh... No, I've done, I've done my Steak and Shake. It's not a proud <laughs> moment, but I've done it. <laughs> he is Daniel Jeremiah. You'll see his coverage all week long here on NFL Network live from Indianapolis. Daniel, safe travels, man. Uh, Appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys. Have a good week. That's Daniel Jeremiah right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I had a proud dad moment on Sunday. Can oh, I, did you? Yeah. Can I reveal this to you? Yeah, let's go. Uh, so Maddie wasn't feeling great, as I'm Shocker. sure you can understand yeah. with uh, how my voice is sounding. So um, I decided to take the kids over to Steak and Shake uh, over at 54th and Keystone there. Okay. And walk inside there and... Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to hype up the the steak and shake experience, and we get in there, and I go, Rosie, that's the claw machine. Your dad has had a lot of battles with the claw <laughs> machine over the years. They've oftentimes ended with claw getting the last laugh. Oh, yeah. I have shamelessly spent an absurd amount of money on the claw machine. Uh, we did this a few weeks ago in South Bend twice with the claw machine. I struck out both times. We got tears after both strikeouts of the claw machine. I wanted to say to her, you know, I mean, the odds of the claw machine yeah, come on. being a success yeah. rate are, I mean, it's yeah. a bigger crapshoot than the NFL draft of come round, round six or seven. It's a great point. You have a better chance of selecting the the proper quarterback. Yeah, Tom Brady in, in, in the draft. Again, right. Yeah. So um, I, for some reason, like I'm confident about the claw machine and I go over there and I, you know, the claw starts going down 20 seconds. I press the button. I aim at what I think is correctly. And all of a sudden, uh, Blue Blue is who Ro- Rosie announced. I think it was one of those uh, uh, blue Paw Patrol uh, looking characters rose to the top. And I cannot describe you the sweaty, nervous moments oh, no. as the claw reaches the top of the machine yep. and now is making its descent towards yep. the empty bucket area. The, the that fu- it's the, f- the final descent. Yes, and thinking to myself, if this thing falls out of that claw, Rosie will be cr- <laughs> They're going to hear her in, in, in freaking Antarctica. Oh, They're going to no. hear her tears. Luckily... Blue Blue made it. Look at you. You're the hero. And all of a sudden, I was on top of the world. You Some are of those claw machines, it's like trying to pick up ch- with chopsticks. It's so like. It is impossible. Oh, yeah. Of course. Do they grease the claw handles? I mean, some of them are so flimsy. Like you just. And they just fall immediately. You're like, this, has, this can't yeah. hold an ounce of weight. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you 
examine the claw machine, there's only about three or four you realistically have an opportunity. You know, Rosie's pointing to the bottom of the damn claw machine. I'm like, Rosie, you want me to open it up and dive in there for it? <laughs> you know, you, you can only get, you know, the two or three that are sitting right there on the top of it. So shout out to Steak and Shake. I know not many of them are left standing slash open. But the one near my house is, and we, I love it. We went to do a claw machine the other day. We were at like a family fun center, and it was one of those candy ones that says, play to you win. Oh, boy, that's dangerous. So we're like, hey, here we go. Swipe the card. Got a turn. Didn't win. That was it. Game over. Like, it says play to win. It says play the to hell? win. Yeah, I thought you had 40, what, what kind of ripoff was this? 45 minutes. Shocking you're scammed over and a carny game like that. My oldest finally got a piece of candy. It was the oldest piece of taffy you've probably ever seen in oh, your life. It's probably life. in there since, yeah, since before COVID, well before COVID, 1997. Like, this doesn't taste good. I'm uh, like, I, I don't doubt you. Two, it's oldest dad. Two, two things. I don't believe, and now I, ha- I haven't worked, I haven't, it was never my thing. I don't think I've ever won the claw game. Uh, this that, was that I probably. Can remember. I think I've won maybe twice, and I would say sixty-seven tries. Yeah, I've uh, won a few times. There was a kid, and I remember Mark his name. The claw game. I won an Avatar here. DVD. Oh God, that's a good pull. I uh, how did you how did you get the DVD? I don't that, know. That seems like that would be the most difficult thing. To that was hold random the luck. Claw. Uh, there was a kid when I was growing up in Western New York. I was about eight, nine, ten years old. And I remember his name. I doubt he'll. This will ever get back to him. Haven't seen him since I moved away to Southern Indiana when I was ten years old. His name was Jason Jenko, and he was a ringer. KB, this kid, this kid was nine out of ten times could walk up to any damn claw machine in the country, okay, How? and pull a stuffed animal, a DVD. Oh, of course, Tell back me then, his no tricks. DVDs. Send I, me his email again. This is when I was ten years old. He was on my. Is he uh, in red, Vegas right now? He was on my red baseball team. His name was Jason Jenko. If you want to try to find him on the internet or on Facebook, go ahead. Man, I've, I don't. I, I seriously don't think I've won one of those at one time in my life. No, trust me, I struck out in South Bend. Luckily, Rosie was very happy. Well, and good for her. Uh, and good and, for you. And Blue Blue, Blue Blue has been a, uh, a a sleeping friend to Rosie here okay. the last couple of nights, so that has been helpful. Okay. On that and uh, those positions of depth: wide out, offensive tackle, Jeremiah threw our way. Tight end, running back, lacking. Offensive tackle. Yeah. Great Smith's health. I know. Uh, well, I, what, I don't, what, what round are you thinking? Is that a third rounder to you? You know, you just did Freeland last year in the fourth. Right. Do you view Freeland as, boy, he got a lot of growing pains out. You know, I mean, hell, you talk about baptism by fire. That dude started how many games? He probably started half of your games last season. Oh, he was he was very valuable to this football team. But again, is he, you know, the valuable ninth offensive lineman, eighth offensive lineman, or is there more there? I think that's just a position that to keep an eye on. And then tight end, the lack of depth there, does that push Bowers up at all? Does that make Bowers even more coveted? Because, again, tight end is one. It's probably a question for Ballard in the next couple of days, Andy. He's drafted four tight ends from round three to six in the last three drafts. If you look at tight end investment around the NFL – I guarantee you that ranks near the top of the list of it, NFL teams. It has to. It has so, to. So does Ballard say, yeah, let's just be patient with that group? Or does he say, man, it hasn't worked out there. Shane Steichen's influence is different. We need to invest again significantly at that position. Yeah, I mean, to, boy, how much? Let me ask you this. How much do you think Will What do you think the ceiling is for Will Mallory? I, like, I don't want to ask that to Ballard because, you know, if we have 15 right, minutes with him, yeah, it's yeah. kind of a waste yeah. of a question. But if they think he is an above average tight end, I think there's something there. I but, think there's something there, but 
how much? I guess but that's not my enough thing. for me to just you know to play out the mock draft example of Daniel Jeremiah to all of a sudden say, yeah, let's take a corner here at fifteen, and then Brock Bowers falls to eighteen. Right, that, you know, not enough on that. And shout out here to Grant. Grant tweets: the year was two thousand four. I feel. Can we play the thirty for thirty music? What if I told you? <laughs> yeah, the year was two thousand four, and fourth grade me had his greatest claw machine triumph ever. Now, wow. a fourth grader success rate at the claw machine. I mean, you got to have some patience. You know, play out the twenty seconds. Really yep. make sure your your geometry is looking good with the claw. He said he got a pig in a Harley Davidson outfit and picked it up by its hat. Never forget. Good job. What was the name, Grant? Shout out to Grant. The only problem is Grant peaked uh, at fourth grade. Well, at least you waited until your mid thirties. I guess it's better uh, than with a couple kids. Better than not peaking at all, which is probably me. Shout out right there. I think two names to watch. Do you ever pass up the claw machine? By the way, oh yeah, plenty of times. Oh, I, I, I hate the claw machine. My daughter's like, can we do it? I'm like, no. I don't know. See, I, I, it has a magnet to me. I always think this is my chance. See, I always okay. say, uh, my excuse is always, I don't usually carry cash these days. It's, everything's oh, no, uh, Trust me, the one at 54th and St. Well. It, it had a, because <laughs> Rosie wanted one of the, you know, twist the quarter. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I don't have change on me. And then, and it was one of the self kiosks, Steak and Shake. So it's hard to get cash necessarily or change. And so I go over the claw machine. I'm like, is that a credit card? To, uh, whatever you call it. Yeah. I'm like, oh boy, here I go. Yeah, they they have the dollar bills, and then if we, I say, I don't have any money on me, and then they see like the <laughs> coin for the gumball, like, well, get some change. I have change. I just yeah. I don't have paper money. I don't have coin money either. All they, all credit card or debit. You please. guys will know. I guess I'll learn this when you know. Whenever I've been to to like these game centers, it's always you know I did radio remotes in Louisville and that sort of thing. But it was always like, yeah, I played some of the games, but you know, it was a lot of eating and drinking and that and that sort of thing. So I haven't focused as much. On the kid games, do they still have the sticky hands? Remember, oh, like, yeah. the, the things yeah. that you sure like. Yep. The, the I've peeled a few things? of those off of our ceiling oh, yep. in recent memory. So they oh, still yeah. have the sticky hands. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, that's I, great. I probably stepped on one three weeks ago on the bottom of my foot. You thought, what is that? Is that a booger? Like, what in? The, yeah, literally. I'm like, wait, is that <laughs> did that come out of Ma- Max's diaper? I was a little nervous about what that was there. Shout out to Daniel Jeremiah, Rick Carlisle. Those will be both up on the podcast. Again, Dane Brugler, NFL draft analyst from The Athletic, live in person tomorrow for us. So we'll continue the draft coverage, obviously, all week long from the combine. Are you guys walking? O- I'm walking over after the show. I got to go get my uh, credential to the combine. You guys, yeah. guys mm-hmm. going to be doing that? I'll do a little do a little circle and see what's going on. See yeah. what's going on over Give there. Give double birds to Jerry Jones's bus. We are table number two, right? Uh-huh. Of the, I saw 45 people on Radio Row, or 45, Oof. I guess, uh, what would you call uh-huh. it? Not, I mean, it's not just shows. It's a lot of teams that are there. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, the Raiders are usually there. I know the Giants always say Oh, we know about people. the Raiders. The Eagles. Oh, do you? Do you guys oh, get yeah. turned? you guys get beef? Uh, Jake was well, people I, watching last year and was I like. I think the Raiders like to see the sun come up before they call yeah. it a night. I mean, the time zone difference. Okay. And they said the people that are walking, like, yeah, they look like they are out all night. Shout out to Kyle. The claw machine is pure luck. My sister won every time she played. Ah. She also wins any drawing contest she wins. Yeah, but Some people are just lucky. I I, I no, don't know, Kyle. They, they, Tell that to Jason Jenko, Andy yeah, Sweeney's some, buddy. Some people, some people have that as a skill, that they can play those types of games. Well, like pinball, I think the like big I'm, key is... Like I, I'm terrible at pinball machines, too. I think the big key is identifying the proper stuffed animal. If you, sure. if, if you get too greedy there, the claw machine right. will get the last laugh. Yeah, if you're disciplined, you can have success. I was disciplined. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. At least Sunday evening, I was disciplined. 
There and then were, I thought to myself on the drive home, do you think Maddie will care? Do you think Maddie will realize how great of an achievement this no. was? She she wasn't feeling well. She's sick. The last thing she oh cares about God. is you winning a blue stuffed animal for five bucks. to show her the picture of Rosie smiling. Hold, oh, no. man. Did she not care what like you bit. telling you her your golf score like i did really good today I, I by the way less. i did like the daniel jeremiah joe alt is getting the ball in the fairway yeah he called him safe and clean i i wanted to ask him <laughs> and we we're kind of up against it time wise like i love the the draft analysts that get i mean daniel jeremiah is going to be on mark how long is the coverage each day I'll say 10 hours. Yes, day in and day yeah. out. So, like, you can't just be saying the same thing over and over again because the nerds out there that are watching you for 10 straight hours are going to be like, that's really redundant. So the fact that, like, he can come up with those sneaky... He had another one earlier in there that I really liked. Uh, yeah. It's all about the adjectives Talented. that you use. Right. Safe and clean, that's a that's a good one. You'd I mean, want him to date your daughter. He's safe and clean. Cross-court references really play well. Mark Boyle has always said, obviously, the longtime legend, the Pacers play-by-play person, his advice to young play-by-players... You watch the same play 20 times over. So watch the Matherin late shot clock step back three last night. You describe it in 20 different ways. Okay. That's good good advice. That's really good advice. Yeah. I like that.